0: Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Today is another episode where I'm going to be talking to you about the way that your mindset might affect your ability to make the impact you want to make as a psychologist or a therapist. And today I'm talking all about anxiety, and whether anxiety might be unconsciously maybe holding us back as psychologists and therapists. So in our work, we're well used to helping people whose anxiety gets in the way of them living the life that they want to live. You probably, if you're a reflective practitioner, you will also recognise that anxiety has held you back at moments in your life too. Whether you've had your own therapy or you've just reflected on it personally, most of us have key moments in our life where it's become really clear to us that we have a hell of a lot in common with our clients. There have been loads of those for me. I think the most obvious example is that my son was really poorly as a newborn Um, And I still actually find myself experiencing a lot of panic anytime I have to go into the hospital for an appointment, especially if it's related to him. Um, And there have been times when I've noticed that I could barely think when I'm talking to his consultant because I'm right back in that fight or flight terror mode. Um, And it's those moments that show us that we share the human condition with our clients. But I've also noticed that many of us, myself included, for a long time, don't recognise the impact our completely natural anxiety is having on our ability to be the most effective we can be in our work. So I've talked on this podcast before about how ACT or Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, to give it its full name, and Compassion-Focused Therapy are my go-to models in the therapy room and how they help me a lot personally too. And one of the ways that I found using ACT really helpful is to help me notice when I'm avoiding unpleasant feelings of anxiety by just staying in my comfort zone, when my values are actually telling me that I need to do something a bit different. What worries me slightly when I think about it is that actually a lot of the avoidance strategies that I was using were really, really subtle. And I had no idea at the time that I was doing it and it was only when I stopped doing it that I realized that I've been doing it at all. And we often don't talk about unconscious avoidance when we're doing act with clients. And to be frank, I think that's because usually there is so much conscious avoidance to deal with first, but it strikes me that this is likely to be a really big issue for many people who are generally doing okay in life, but feel like something is holding them back from reaching their full potential. So when we move more into that coaching space, I think this becomes a really key issue and I haven't seen it talked about that much. So I wanted to share some of the ways that I think I have unconsciously avoided my natural anxiety over the past couple of years. And the first one is never having the big ideas or having them and just not really entertaining them. And the best example of that I can think of is I never used to see opportunities for press coverage. Press coverage makes me really, really anxious. I can explicitly tell that it makes me anxious because I don't like the idea of people um, coming across me as an expert. The expert position terrifies me, and that is how the mainstream media want to position us. They don't want to print something unless they can print it as an expert view. That makes me uncomfortable. What is unconscious about it, though, is I just never used to have ideas. I had some training in the kind of thing that the press are interested in, but I never got that spark of creativity um, to give me the idea to pitch to them until I did a load of mindset work. I I did quite an intensive um, meditation program where I meditated every day for a month. um, And I was meditating on gratitude and being open to opportunity. And suddenly... About you know two and a half, three weeks into that month, I started to have all of these ideas for things which would probably really help um, get some exposure for it. It was an ebook at the time that I was promoting for separated parents over Christmas. And sure enough, I sent in a few pictures and I managed to get my ebook featured in the Daily Mail. But it wasn't that I'd had those ideas before and just never had the guts to, to push them forward. I had actually not been able to have the ideas before. Another example of a way I think I've unconsciously avoided natural anxiety is forgetting to follow up. So there may be some of you listening to this podcast that think I might have done this to you, but I would get really exciting emails or calls from people. I even had one once from the BBC wanting to interview me, and then I would totally forget to respond just completely blank them, (laughs) even though it might be something that I'd been so excited by that I had, you know, text my husband or text a friend about it. I would then actually never follow through on that opportunity. And again, it wasn't that I was sitting there stewing on it thinking, oh my God, what might happen? It literally left my head and never returned, which again, I find quite frightening. Another way of unconsciously avoiding natural anxiety is procrastination. So it might surprise some people who know me to hear this on my list because I'm not much of a procrastinator in life. My um, default coping strategy with anxiety is to rush in headlong because I can't stand the anxiety of a blank page. Um, So I don't tend to put off things very often, but key things, things which... I maybe find completely outside my comfort zone or feel like they're completely beyond my level of expertise or competence, those I actually do put off. And a really good example of that was forming my um, community interest company, turning my business into a CIC. I knew I wanted to do that for ages, but it kept going to the bottom of my list because I was scared. But again, that was unconscious. It was on my to-do list. I didn't look at it and feel a pang of fear, just magically got too busy every day. And there are still things like that now that I can think of, you know, grants I want to apply for, but I'm scared of not guessing them. So magically, I just don't have time every day to do it. Another example, and I think this one may be more controversial, but it's definitely an example of a way that I have unconsciously avoided stuff that I'm scared of, is doing more study and paying for more training. So maybe this is controversial, but I think a lot of us do extra courses on top of our core training not because we genuinely think we need them, but because it buys us more time before we have to start offering the scary new therapy, or because it alleviates our anxiety slightly to have an extra certificate. I've done this so many times, but recently I decided it had to stop, and that's one of the reasons that I added the CPD planner into the psychologist business plan, as I realised I needed to be more intentional. For example, I seriously contemplated whether I needed to get a £4,000 coaching qualification before I even recorded this episode for you. So great was my imposter syndrome. But when I sat down with a few books and a big notepad and I mapped out which ACT principles I thought would help you the most, I realised I already had what I needed to give some value. And in the past, I'd have been so scared of the feeling of vulnerability that I'm getting right now, even sharing this with you, that I would have happily spent 4k of the profits from my business to try and get rid of it. But that's money that could be far better spent being reinvested into low cost therapy or innovative mental health projects. So it's not actually in line with my values to keep avoiding anxiety by doing that. So here I am, not avoiding the anxiety and talking about it. (laughs) Finally, the last one I think is not looking for or being open to mentoring relationships or partnerships. There are lots of people that I've wanted to work with that I've not even reached out to. I've not even made any kind of move towards working with them because I thought they wouldn't want to talk to me. And I couldn't stand the thought of putting myself out there like a teenage girl sitting in the school canteen on her own. So I just never did ironically, since I've been putting myself out there with this podcast, some of those people have actually contacted me. And it it does frustrate me when I see what I could have achieved if I just allowed the anxiety to be there. But my mind is so completely trapped in this cycle of not tolerating the feeling of anxiety, and just doing whatever it can to keep me out of those situations, that I didn't even realise I was avoiding it. So getting to know you all in the Do More Than Therapy community, I've realised that I'm not on my own with this and that many of us, if not all of us, struggle in the exact same way. So I started thinking about what we can do about it. First off, we need to get better at recognising when anxiety is present for us. I found that with my clients who are generally able to live a full life already, it is the unconscious avoidance of unpleasant experience that is a bigger issue than explicit avoidance of anxiety. In my ACT training, we really didn't talk very much about it when we are working with people who meet the threshold for clinical intervention because there's so much explicit avoidance. Um, and many people, myself included, might've become quite good at dealing with the anxiety that they know about. But I think we all need a little bit of extra help when it's this unconscious avoidance that we don't even recognise is happening. So connection to our bodies and minds is crucial. So we can become aware of what might be below the surface at the moment. I did an eight-week mindfulness course with Bangor University and the body scan they taught me is pretty perfect for it. It really helps me to connect up and notice where there might be some signs of anxiety living in my body that I just haven't been tuning into. For anyone who doesn't have a go-to mindfulness to the body exercise, I'll link to one that I adapted for my clients in the show notes. But there are lots out there from Headspace, Calm, Insight Timer, even on YouTube. The basic principle is to notice each part of your body in sequence and return your attention to it whenever it wanders. Mindful breathing exercises can also work really well for connecting us up with our bodies and minds. Once we've got a bit better at noticing that anxiety is showing up and we suspect it may be making it harder for us to live our values, act challenges us to try and make room for it rather than distracting ourselves from it or fighting with it. The idea is that if we can get good at making room for anxiety, then we won't feel the need to avoid it unconsciously or consciously. Personally, I have found since I started practising acceptance regularly, this has made a huge difference to my ability to notice opportunities. I think I used to be so avoidant of feeling anxious that I actually didn't see opportunities that were staring me in the face. But now I spot them a lot more easily which doesn't always mean it's easy to follow through on them, but I at least know they're there. So how can we do this? How can we start practising making room for anxiety or accepting anxiety? I actually believe that the most powerful intervention is just having the intention to be accepting of your discomfort and to recognise the impact that living a life of avoidance has had on you and choose to do something different. However, There is an exercise that I use when I'm struggling and it comes from Russ Harris's Act Made Simple, as most of my favourite meditation type exercises do. So in that, Russ tells us to imagine the feeling we're trying to make room for as an object inside our bodies. To imagine it in minute detail, everything about it from the texture, colour, weight, size and movement. Then once we have that firmly in our heads, we can breathe into it. Imagine ourselves expanding around it and literally making room for it. I use this all the time with my clients and all the time in my own life. And usually I find that we start off doing it formally, almost like a meditation. And I believe Russ has made those available freely. um, So I'll link to that in the show notes. But quite quickly, we then transition to just bringing the image of the object to mind when we need to make space for something uncomfortable. And it, it turns into one of those go-to exercises, which are just there for you, whether you're on the bus or like I was once in in a playground when I was finding it really difficult to pluck up the courage to go and talk to some of the other mums there. Um, I found this technique really, really useful uh, in that uncomfortable moment. So I hope this helps you to send your mind the message that you're okay with a bit of discomfort because making a big impact in mental health will never feel comfortable. But if it's part of your mission and it's part of what you want your life to be about, then ultimately discomfort is worth it. So finally, I'd love some feedback on how you're finding these mindset coaching type episodes. I think that ACT is incredibly useful for coaching people who are already successful to live their lives more fully, perhaps to live more wholeheartedly, as Brené Brown puts it. I found myself using ACT in this way with some of my insurance company clients who start therapy because they're dealing with work-related stress, but by the end are basically looking for more fulfilment in life. And at first it felt really vulnerable to use ACT in a non-clinical way, And if I'm honest, recording this, I still feel really vulnerable about it. But the more I think about it and the more I try it, I just don't really believe in the clinical, non-clinical distinction. So I'm giving it a go and I'd love to hear if you found it useful. So please do send me a message either in the Do More Than Therapy group or on Facebook as a private message. I'm on there most days. Well, actually, I'm on there every day. Let's be honest about it and it really helps me to get your feedback so i can make this podcast what you need it to be i'm excited to let you know about a free event that we're running in the do more than therapy facebook group on wednesday the 24th of june i've invited some inspiring people into the group to talk to us about topics that i know that you're struggling with we've got alexia leachman coming in to talk to us about clearing your head trash and confidently marketing yourself in a big and scary world. We've got Liz Stanford from the Calm Burst School talking to us about creating captivating workshops and an awesome group engagement strategy. And finally, we've got Sam Hill telling us how to create community and help people through social media. The event is going to be streamed live into the Facebook group on June 24th. So make sure that you're a member and that you answer the membership questions when you join. That way we can send you details of the event and how to get your hands on recordings of all of the sessions. See you there.